Hello and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast. The show for people on the go, who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. This week, Pastor Jason Armstrong talks about Colossians 2, 16-23. Hold firm to your identity in Christ, and as a church, grow together in your faith which is given to you by God. Let's hear today's message. Now last week, if you were with us, you know I made a big deal about starting with the passage with the word therefore. And here we are again. We again start with the word therefore. So that classic question, what is the therefore, therefore leads us into this again. I haven't looked ahead to next week too much, but I wonder if Clint will also have a therefore. I'm I'm curious to see that. But today we're actually going to be finishing Colossians chapter 2. Last week we considered Colossians 2, 6 through 15, and, and in that passage, that therefore that Paul's talking about, it reminds us and encourages us, encourages the faithful in Colossae, remember from last week, that we are to walk in Christ through faith, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith that God has placed in us. Responding with abounding thanksgiving, it told us last week. And warned, and he warns us not to let our faith or our identity in Christ be taken away by any empty human philosophies. Because Christ is everything. He has triumphed over the world and sin and death through the cross and his resurrection. Paul reminds us of all of that as we go forward. But with this in mind, we enter in our text this week, our next therefore passage. We will see that Paul continues with his warnings to the faithful in Colossae to let no one proclaim that you are not worthy, that you're not worthy of God and salvation found in Christ. Not worthy because of old human traditions and teachings. And to not let those people who delight in false humility we see disqualify you from the forgiveness you find in Christ. But instead, Paul will tell the faithful and the church, we'll see this week, we transition kind of into the church to hold fast to Christ, to grow in discipleship as one unified, connected body with Christ as the head. Paul continues his thought this week from our text last week by telling the faithful because Christ is victorious in verse 16 do not let anyone proclaim that you are not worthy of God that you are not worthy of faith in Christ because being it's not about being worthy it's not about following traditions it's not about following laws it's about not following human standards It's not about measuring your worthiness. That is not what Christ is when you're in Christ. Being in Christ is being rooted in Christ. It's not about ritual or observing a religious feast day or tradition. It's about that idea that we talked about last week of of continuing on in your faith that God has placed in you. Last week I, I mentioned the term divine persuasion. God places faith in you, then you respond And that faith that they have, the faith that we have in Christ, it should lead us to freedom, certainly not to being 
shackled by rules and determining whether we're worthy if we're doing a good enough job in some way. Not restrictions and human judgment. Galatians 5.1 reminds us of this from Paul as well. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand, there, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Do not submit to being considered worthy or measured. These religious laws and traditions, they were not for, to be permanent or going to perpetuity. This being the case, they are not the full resemblance of the Savior in verse 17. The Savior that we looked forward to, that they looked forward to, that eventually came. Instead, they were but of a shadow, an image cast by that object that which was to come. That, of course, that object being Christ that would fulfill the law, that would erase this idea of measurement and worthiness. Think about a person as they're walking, you see their shadow coming around the corner. Well, Christ came around that corner. But we, we realize this reality about Christ being the shadow of what was to come in Hebrews 10.1. And that reads, For since the law has but, a sh- is, has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. We no, long need, no longer need to look at the shadow of good things to come the, the shadow has come, that, that, that made the shadow. The one who makes perfect, who draws us near in faith, we have Christ. Christ came in the flesh, in his human form. And then Christ, as in future, as we go on, this, this idea of a mystical body of Christ, the church, that's what it becomes, the one people of God with Christ at the head. It's no longer a shadow. It's now Christ has come and is here. And in verse 18, let no one deprive you of your identity in Christ and the salvation and freedom from sin that Christ won for you at the cross and through his resurrection. Let no one deprive you of the good news of eternal life found in grace. And those that look to disqualify you from faith in Christ, he uses the phrase, will be insisting on asceticism in verse 18, which means taking delight or pleasure in false humility designed to impress or attract notice. We talked about this term humble brag that's kind of out there right now. Kind of remember that. But they're leading you falsely away from worshiping other things than God. These people who are making these claims, they have false visions. Remember last week we talked about they have self-proclaimed enlightenment, trying to seek light enlightenment through human means rather than through God. So their claims to have received these visions from God is false. They have no roots in Christ. But rather they continue in on their basic human nature, seeking to glorify their own, glorify themselves instead of God. And during our Bible study on Thursday this week, we found a phrase that I think captures what Paul's trying to say in a very short phrase. It came from the Eugene Peterson in the message. He used this following description to describe what 
what uh, Paul is type of people Paul is describing here. Eugene Peterson writes, they are a lot of hot air. That's all they are. We may know a few people like that. <laughs> but there is no substance, no reality, no truth in what they're saying. And John Hudson, you're here, right? John Hudson, I'll give him credit this, for this idea. So John Hudson came up with the term influencer for this type of person this week. And I thought that is a great example in our modern day of what we're talking about. This idea of a social media influencer. A person who sole job is to influence you in some way, thus the term. Whether they're getting you to believe a certain way or buy a certain product, deter trying to change what you believe or guide what you believe. They do this through developing some sort of relationship with you that isn't really real. And they convince you that they have some sort of knowledge or something that they have that you want. Or maybe in some, some, some ways you want to be like them. But it's all empty. It's all the, it's all the sham. It's all the charade. It's all false. But in their influence, they do change the way you think. They change the way you believe. They get you to buy a product get you to change your lifestyle in some way. So in a similar way, Paul's urging the, faith in Col- the faithful in Colossae not to listen to those type of influencers. Don't let them pass judgment on you. Don't let them disqualify you. Don't accept their judgment or disqualification. And don't, don't believe it. Don't take it on yourself as well. Because they do not speak the truth. It says in verse 19, they are not holding on to the head. They are not holding on to Christ. And I thought it would be interesting in verse 19 to kind of switch that, to determine what it looks like to hold on to the head of Christ, which is the church, what the church does, the body. We stay rooted in Christ. So Paul goes on to describe what it looks like as a church body to be in Christ. He says the whole body is nourished in this passage in verse 19, which refers to being lavishly supplied, it said, I read, to outfit, well, to outfit with all that is needed to accomplish a grand objective. That's what the church is nourished with. Each person of faith, all of us are put together to make the whole body connected, fastened, unified together to do this work. And Paul mentions this by talking about joints and ligaments, connecting the different parts of the body together into one. He has a similar thought in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit, the Holy Spirit, to drink. The Holy Spirit that we pour every morning, every worship service. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. We are unified, we're connected when we hold on to the head that is Christ. And when we do hold on firm, this causes the body to grow. 
Paul goes on to say, it grows and increases in authentic discipleship as we strive to become more like Christ. Remembering what it means to be a disciple. As the disciples did, they, they lived with Christ. They literally followed in his footsteps so they could learn to be more like him, to act like him, to speak like him, to think like him, to love like him. Every part of their life, this is discipleship. And the Lord, as the body of Christ, the Lord requires our dedication to nonstop progress in our life of faith. The church connected, holding on to the, the head of Christ. Growth should never, and discipleship should never be static or declining, because God is in charge of that if we are holding on to the head. So what does it look like for a church that is nourished and knit together to be continually growing in discipleship as directed by God? How does a church function that is focused on Christ and rejecting all that hot air that surrounds us in our culture? It's a big question. We only have a few minutes. (laughs) So I thought a, a quick way and concise way to look at this would be to measure how a church is growing in their discipleship would be to evaluate against the six great ends of the church. Many of you may know this this, uh, system. So the six great ends of the church are this. The proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. The shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God. The maintenance of divine worship. The preservation of the truth the promotion of social righteousness in the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. If we're growing, it's kind of a way to, to, I suppose, to measure. If we're growing as a church body in our discipleship, those are the pieces that we can look at and say, how are we doing? How are we being inspired? So we've been prepared to do. So in the remaining verses in 20 through 23, Paul goes on to emphasize his point, the point that he's made last week and, and, and this week throughout chapter 2. But the, the word I, I circled in my uh, text in, in verse 20 was the word why, as we apply why to this uh, idea today. So if you were buried with Christ and in baptism... If you were raised with him in faith, if you are alive in Christ and all your sins have forgiven, if you are living rooted in Christ who is victorious and is everything, then why? Why are you living as though you were still alive in the world rather than in Christ? Why are you submitting to empty regulations? Why are you submitting to human laws and and teachings that look to measure, to determine whether you're worthy? Why are you being influenced by uh, human wisdom and those who take delight in false humility? Why are you paying attention to those who are leading you away from the faith? Why are you being influenced by hot air, by that which has no eternal value, and cannot stop you from sinning, as he says in the end of verse 23. So those are great questions that come out of that why, that word why in verse 20. And with this in mind, just like we did last week, I thought it would be worth considering what 
you know, last week it was what human philosophy is and empty deceit in our culture are a threat to our Christian identity, our Christian identity as individuals last week. This week, I wanted to switch that a little bit and talk, to, talk about the body of Christ, the church. What, is, what are we being influenced by, potentially? What philosophies or teachings of the world have we allowed to influence the church so that Paul would ask us, why are we submitting to human standards when the church is alive in Christ? And certainly there's many ways to answer that question. There have been books, many books written about that. And again, we only have a few minutes, so I will keep it simple and, and talk to you about, a, uh, talk to you about a, a concept I have and I hope it will lead you to, to think about it this week and today and, and onward. But I just want to talk in brief about the very, the very first great end of the church. And that is the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind, of everyone. So I, I was at a church recently that had a beautiful sanctuary built in the 1960s, which is the same time that this sanctuary was built. And if we remember, if you, you may know church history, or maybe you were around here at this time, and the 60s was kind of the apex of church attendance in our country. Now, I was uh, born in 1970, so I am kind of in that moment, uh, right after all the churches were built. And of course, this church that I'm talking about, which happens to many churches, is struggling in, in repair right now. But thinking about that history and thinking about this church that's struggling, I, I was considering what messages over my lifetime, so the last 50 years, have I been hearing that have been affecting me? And been, if it affects me, it affects others and affects the body of Christ. What are some thoughts or just ideas and culture that we maybe didn't even know were affecting us, but they have? So it's diminished our, our desire to proclaim the good news of the gospel for all people. So there's just a couple of phrases I had in mind that I thought I've heard continually over my life. I'm sure you have ones that you can think of, and I'd, I'd love to talk to you or hear about it later today if you something comes up in your head but one of the big ones uh, for me was that faith is a private and personal matter you know heard that over and over in my life so I think maybe that's caused me to then back up and, and not proclaim Christ because faith is a personal and private matter you know, faith doesn't belong in the public arena. This idea of keeping faith to yourself. This elevation of separation of church and state type philosophy. I had somebody recently, uh, I thought a really good statement in that, I, in that realm, which explained maybe thinking, how thinking's getting twisted, is this idea of it's freedom of religion in our, in our government, not freedom from religion. But I think it's been twisted. So as I've been growing up hearing these type of ideas, they certainly influence me whether I know it or not. But as you reflect back on your life, I wonder if you have some thoughts on that as well that have caused you to maybe back up off, off that first uh, great end of the church. If you've allowed that to diminish our ability to proclaim the gospel for the salvation of all people. Because it's really important, obviously, the proclamation of the gospel for all people, if we lose, if we lose, if we diminish that or, or lose that, 
we effectively lose our identity on Christ. We lose our grasp, grasp on the head. And then a church is simply has a danger of becoming just a human institution trying to do good things. And it may have the appearance, as Paul describes in verse 22, these indeed have the appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion, but in the end they have no value because they do not offer salvation, they do not offer eternal life, they do not offer faith in Jesus Christ. And taking us back one chapter, remember Colossians 1.18. Colossians, uh, and Christ is the head of the body, that Christ is the head of the church who we hold on to. Christ is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that everything he may preeminent, be preeminent, and in everything we declare his glory. So as we complete our time in chapter 2 this morning, it would be wise, I think, to review some of the warnings, the warnings indeed that are in chapter 2, to the faithful in Colossae, because of course, by extension, they apply to us. Circumstances change through history, but human beings do not, so it still applies, right? Human nature stays consistent. So if we go down, or if we go through these warnings that Paul gives us, we have a list for on screen here. It starts at verse 4. So here's the, the warnings to believers and us as the body of Christ. Let no one may delude you with plausible arguments, things we can be aware of and be discerning of. Let no one take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Let no one take you captive away from Christ. Let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one disqualify you. It's not about being measured. It's about faith. So remember these warnings as you walk in Christ this week in your daily life. And we as a church should continue to be uh, judging. of not <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? I'll just say judging. Judging of where we stand. Especially versus the uh, sixth grade ends of the church. Continually evaluating maybe is a better word. Live our lives built up and rooted in him. Remember not to be deceived by these influencers, by the, the culture that's spewing hot air around us. So we're not, do not become separated from the head. We do not become separated from others. And we are not distracted in our growth. And we always and consistently proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ for the salvation of all people. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the power it contains. And Lord, we pray that it's the word, your word, changes us to be a little more like Christ as we continue to grow as disciples, both individually and as the church. Lord, we pray that you give us the discernment and the, the wisdom to see when we're, we're being distracted by outside influences, by influencers, by those who are spewing just hot air, as we said. Lord, give us the ability to see that and reject that. Give us the, the strength and the perseverance that in all circumstances, in all times, we glorify you and the good news of the gospel that all people are saved through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week. Thank you.